This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with a preschooler and a full-blown kid. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two kids under six, and a baby on the way. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, books. They can be really helpful. Plus, the recommendations librarian from the New York City Public Library and co-host of the podcast The Librarian is In, Gwen Glazer joins as co-host, and there's another author in Biz's house. (laughs) I feel like I'm cheating on Teresa with so many whiz. (laughs) But you wooed wooed well, Gwen. Gwen, you you really... Thank you. That was a... I, I'm happy to, to cheat with that kind of woo. Um, Thank you. I practiced my woo. Did you? <laughs> I did. I did. Right with in. my two-year-old. Yeah, nice. we practiced together. <laughs> well, everybody, last time uh, Gwen joined us, uh, we talked about kids and the library, including expected child behavior, how librarians recommend books, and, of course, suggestions for fun books for kids. This time, she is back to talk about uh, how books can help us as parents with our kids, as well as some suggestions for books on refugees and immigration and the little challenge that I issued Gwen. But let's, uh, we're going to start, though, uh, just let's just remind us who lives in your house? So I live in my house uh, with my husband and my two-and-a-half-year-old, uh, who is starting preschool next week, um, and our dog named Moose and our bird named Ty. You have a bird. That's right. What kind right. of bird is living in your, in your place? Like the loudest yeah. bird yeah, that right? has ever existed. Yeah, that's the kind of bird. <laughs> like, bird is so like a loud. record scratch. When you hear somebody say, I've got this, and I have this, uh-huh. and I have a bird. And then you're like, there are, there's only one bird experience, right? Am I just going to insult bird owners everywhere? There's yeah. only one. That's like a loud bird, right? Yes, he's so loud. There, I get, okay, <laughs> the next bird that we get, if we get more birds, and the bird... <laughs> The next to bird, be clear, because we're clearly next... committed to being a bird family. Oh, my God. <laughs> my husband loves birds, and he had the bird long before he had me. That's right. So the bird was actually here first, so I can't really, like, throw too much shade on the bird because, I mean, what am I going to say? But finches mm. apparently are super quiet, and they go, beep, 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 mm-hmm. and they make hardly any noise. So our next bird, not that I am encouraging them to go anywhere. <laughs> Our next bird will be finches, do you the, if I have anything to say about it. Do you let the bird, like, fly around the house? Does the bird, like, fly around, or does the bird, like, live in a cage? The bird mostly lives in a cage. When my husband is home, he will fly around, only, but only very short distances. Um, but he will occasionally fly and scare everyone in the house from his perch in the kitchen back to the perch on top of his cage. He doesn't just, like, free roam around the house, but... Oh, my gosh, he's so loud. At any time that there's, like, a quiet moment in our house, like, the child is napping, the dog has been walked and is nice and tired, everybody's happy, that is the moment the bird always picks to go, yeah. I like that the bird makes a slightly psycho soundtrack from from that movie, the shower scene. Yes. Yes. Uh, Oh, my God, I never thought of that. That's really what it sounds like. like. Either that or that's how you just have subconsciously been repeating that. 
Um, so preschool about to start. Uh, are you excited? Are you de- emotionally distraught? Like, I, no, I'm super excited. I mean, it's a little bit of a joke because he's been in daycare full time for right. years now. Yeah. Um, and so he's really just moving to the preschool room. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I should, I guess I, I kind of overstated it. <laughs> He's just going um, to a different. He's just going to be using scissors now, as opposed to right, right. Oh, scissors! I didn't even think of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, scissors. Oh yeah. Wow. And staplers. He's probably going to be psyched about that. Oh, wow. oh, oh! I bet he's going to love that. Yeah. No, I'm mostly excited. I think he's just going to love it. I think he's going to have a great time, like learning more stuff and being with some of the kids that he used to be with. He's kind of a talker, and so I think he's going to be excited <laughs> to be with other kids who talk a lot. That, I'm sure the teachers will also be thrilled. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> God, I cannot even imagine how noisy those rooms must get. I know. Well, I always have to prep, Kate. Like, you know, you'll start as your kid gets older and you you, you start getting all this paperwork, uh, preschool, pay, like pre, literally pre-school season starting paperwork that you have to fill out. There's always this section from your classroom teacher who's like, is there anything special we should know or anything you need to let us know? And we just flat out say, Katie Bell's a talker. She's gonna, uh-huh. she's gonna talk, and you're just gonna have to. She knows she's a talker. She knows there could be repercussions for talking, um, uh-huh. but she's a talker. Uh, where she comes from, a long line of talkers. That's just, you've been warned. We all. Right. This is what's gonna happen. You're welcome. Um, I like the context, though. It's like her proud family heritage of talkers. It really I is. Really, uh, I used to just have a permanent seat outside of the classroom uh, in elementary school. My teacher was just out. Out. Uh, it was all right. Uh, it was all right. <laughs> Guys, I, I turned out totally okay. Um, and here's how I know Katie Bell's going to turn out okay. A little story. Uh, you, As the librarian recommender, one day maybe you'll be recommending Katie Bell's fine work. She, um, There was this week, as many of you in public school, I don't know if they did this in private school, but in public school, uh, this past week was like literacy week. It was like uh, a week where all schools apparently celebrate books. It's a big Dr. Seuss celebration in some schools. And like each day is a themed day, like a wacky hair day or whatever. Anyway, Mm. at our school, they had... A, like a literacy camp read a lot night. And it was super cute. It was the first time they'd ever done it. Uh, and they set the auditorium up to look like a campground. And they like did all these trees and campfires. And they had all these, like, you could go visit different classrooms and do different, like, reading uh, challenges. You know, you'd be read to and blah, blah, blah. You put together some more. Super cute idea. Uh, and it I thought it went really great. Uh, but one of the things that you could do in advance was if you wanted to submit a short story, uh, you could. There was going to be a short story contest, and uh, your story might get selected to be read at this Ooh. event. So I say, Katie Bell, who loves to write, do you want to write a short story? And she says, yes. So she sits down to start writing, and I'm go- walking past her room, and she says, oh, Mama, can I use the word fart in the story? And I say, <laughs> now, we have had a huge discussion about the word fart, everybody. I don't think that she should be running around school saying fart. I'm not opposed to the word fart. I just feel like it feels weird coming out of my child's mouth. Well, Miss So-and-so says fart. Well, Miss So-and-so is a grown woman who shouldn't be saying fart, in my opinion. But anyway, just don't, you don't want to grow up to be saying fart to a room full of kids, do you? Anyways, we have like a whole bunch of like weird things I didn't know were going to bother me moments with the word fart. Uh, and But in this situation, I say, you know what? Sure. Creative license, right? We're Mm -hmm. a big believer in, my mother used to say, don't write as if I'm going to read it, 
right? Which is the mm-hmm. nicest thing. Nice. Very nice gift to us. And so Katie Bill's like, great. So the next day, she's like, do you want to hear my short story? And I'm like, absolutely. And she starts reading, and it's a group of friends. They're walking through the woods on a hike when suddenly they stumble upon the world champion fart competition. And, like, every other word is fart. Like, it's just like, fart, what is that? Serious farts. There's, like, you know, what's that? Oh, the most powerful, the greatest collection of farters come from all around the world. Sweden, China, Japan, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, every word is fart. And I'm so torn because, one, it's really well written, guys. She's nailing the, like, Lily says and then I said. I mean, she's nailing, like, uh, like, you know, character setup. But, like, every word is fart. And I'm like, oh, can we send her to school with a story full of fart? I have no idea. Like, am I harming her by sending her in with this? Like, I don't know what to do. Uh, Stefan comes home, and I'm like, we're both, like, laughing. We're both like, this is a really good story. I don't know if this is appropriate. Right? And so, luckily, I run into the woman who's in charge of it at, like, another school event. And I say, hey, 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 are you in charge of the event? She says, yes. Luckily, she's had a little to drink. And I say, Katie Bell's (laughs) written a story. And she says, oh, that's so great. And I say, it's full of the word fart. And, like, she and her husband, like, pause for a beat and then start laughing. And I say, is it okay to submit this? She's like, yes. Well, so we submit it. And, of course, Katie Bell's story gets selected. (laughs) To be read, and it is read by the vice principal, a.k.a. the disciplinarian, who turns out to have a very sultry voice. You never want to get sent to to, uh, the vice principal's office, uh, a.k.a. the guidance counselor. And uh, anyway, he's like, you know, Lily and Manelope and I were walking through the woods with... Yeah, it's just so good. Anyway, it was magnificent. It was was truly uh, very proud moments. As parents, you have that to look forward to. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> it was truly fucking remarkable. Um, uh, yep. Speaking yep. of gold, guys, I have a lot to promote this week. And so right now, before we get into our topic today, I need to drop this exciting news that the Max Fun Drive is coming up in two weeks. And we're going to have two really good episodes for you. Uh, the first week, we have a pre-recorded show with Teresa that she and I did uh, before Curtis was born, when we still thought we had more time before Curtis was going to be born. Uh, and we're going to talk about our hangups uh, with what our kids want to wear. And we're also going to be joined by Corin Tucker. And we're going to just talk about being cool. And uh, then things get really weird because the very next week, Teresa so we'll be back live in the studio for the first time after maternity leave. And it's going to feel like there's a weird tear in the space-time continuum because, like, <laughs> one week it's like, I'm still pregnant. And then it's going to be like, I'm, like, six weeks out uh, in, in having a baby. Uh, so that's going to be weird. Uh, also, you're going to get to hear about all our exclusive thank you gifts that we have now uh, for new and upgrading members. And they're really awesome. Uh, plus, it's just your chance to support One Bad mother we only do this once a year as well as max fun and reach the new goal for max fun of 10,000 new and upgrading max fun members so again this is going to kick off on march 20th basically max fun helps one bad mother get made and one bad mother helps you feel less insane and it all starts with you guys so we look forward to that Speaking of things that are also helpful, Gwen and I are going to talk about how books can be our parenting secret weapons. 
Please, take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the host of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Gwen. Biz. Books. Books, Gwen. You you know a few things about books. <laughs> I know a couple books, yeah. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to talk about like uh, how books can be helpful. And I really feel, for me as a parent, this was one of those things that was so surprising to me, uh, like into parenting, that I could go to a library and get a book... <laughs> That would help me explain something that I was having a hard time explaining to my child or just prepare my child. And the first time I ever did it, I felt like I had, like, uncovered, like, the, you know, the lost ark or something. I just felt like a fucking genius. And uh, I just thought it would be fun to talk about today, like, how books can really be helpful to us. And so I want to start with you. This is sort of a question for uh you know, parent Gwen, as well as librarian Gwen, as well as Gwen before librarian and before children. Um, Who's that Gwen? Uh, Yeah, right. She's somebody without a bird, that's for sure. Yes, she was without a bird. Uh, Do you you find this, this is an easy question, do you find this to be true that books can be helpful? And did you have, do you remember, were there any books that kind of stood out for you just that you were like, that really were like sort of teachers to you as uh, personally, uh, as well as sort of in uh, parenting, either pre-parenting or, or post-child is around? Yes. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I feel like I have 20 million things to that's, say about that. That but, is fine. Yeah. We got time. Go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good. Sit back, everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yes. The, the first ones that really come to mind are the Ramona Quimby books yes, by Beverly Cleary. Yes, 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 yes. I just loved those books so much. I felt like they really helped me figure out how to move in the world, Yes, if that makes sense. No, yeah. yes, that and like the super fudge books. Yes, uh, like oh my gosh. Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing and that, those characters, mm-hmm. both of those, yes, I lived off of those books. And I, everybody has said you should go back and read them as an adult uh, because you see all the stuff that you weren't aware was happening with the parents and, like, you, you it, they all sort of take on this other life as an adult reading them. But as a child, I am, I'm so glad you said that. Like, Ramona Quimby was my spirit animal, for sure. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, me too. She was so great. And, yeah, I... I there are some books that I should go back and read those and see what the parents are like because I feel like there's another series that's around that I used to recommend all the time when I worked in a branch librarian um and it's the Alice series by Phyllis Reynolds Naylor uh-uh. um and yeah it's a really cool structure because there's one for like each age that Alice is so like she turns 11 she turns 12 she turns 13 um and reading those uh let's see what was I doing when I was reading those I was not a parent um but <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, what was that time in my yeah. life when I was yes. It it did exist. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, I did have the bird, but I did not have the baby yet. <laughs> um 
And But I remember reading those and paying so much attention to the parents and just being like, oh, my gosh, these parents are drawn so beautifully. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, oh, now I totally want to go back and read Ramona Quimby, age eight, or Ramona the Pest. Well, I'm going to totally oh, derail us so for a second because I did not think about this as part of our discussion. I, I When I thought about this as a topic, I was thinking about, like, oh, books really helped me prepare Katie Bell to, you know, potty train or to go into a mm-hmm. big kid bed or whatever. But... There are there are these books that I read to the kids, and I find such uh, insight from the parents in those books. Like I think about the Fancy yeah. Nancy books. Uh, Katie Bell was a big reader of the Fancy Nancy series. Uh, you know, it's about a little girl who really loves being fancy, and no one else in her family is fancy. But they're so <laughs> respectful to mm-hmm. her. And it doesn't change the values that they're teaching her. And in some of the ones where she's a little older and she's like uh, dealing with, you know, disappointment or dealing with kind of a bully at school. I just feel like those parents lay such wisdom so simply on that kid. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, that's so good. I need to remember to do like it helps me parent. So I like, I you know, yeah, I think about. Uh, yeah, how did those parents handle Ramona? Because she was all over the place. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I need to go back. To, yeah. Right. I, do you see that? I, I'm curious, like, does Katie Bell, when you're reading, or Ellis, or too, when you're reading them, these books, do they, like, picture books, even for younger yeah. kids, or, or even the Fancy Nancy books, like, do you feel like they internalize the lessons really directly? Or is it just something that's kind of, like, in the backs of their minds? And I will tell you, the reason I'm asking that question is because I recently tried to um, read A Kissing Hand for Chester Raccoon oh, yeah. to my son. Do you know that book? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hand is about separation anxiety. Yeah. And so kind of weirdly for the first time in his life, he was having some separation anxiety from us. And like, it was, we didn't know how to handle it. Cause we were like, what? You never did this before, but you're a kid. So you're always changing everything. Like, why yeah. are you doing this to us? Right. Cause it's all about us. Of course. Right, why of are course. you doing why? this to us? What's wrong with right. you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I was like, Oh, this book is great. I'm going to read this book to him and he's not going to have separation anxiety anymore. <laughs> and so Right. It's hilarious. So I read this book, and the book is all about how when Chester has to go away from his mom raccoon, she gives him a kiss on the palm of his hand, yes. and whenever he misses her, feels only he puts it on his face, and then he feels the warmth of her love for him. Right. Right. So I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And then, you know, so we read the book, and he's paying attention to the book. <laughs> and then at the end of the book, I said, can I kiss your hand? And then when, you know, we leave you at daycare, and then we'll be able to sort of say goodbye, and you'll remember that I love you. And he looks at me, and he says... Mama, those are raccoons. <laughs> uh, okay, then can I lick your face when we say goodbye? Can we come up with something else that people do? Yeah. Oh, my God. No, that's... I was like, well, guess we're being really literal here. Like, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, then you were going to say, can we do this? And that he was going to be like, are you leaving me right now? Like, that's what my, that's what my childhood, Ellis would have been like, are you leaving? I'm like, no, 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 no not right now. Yeah, I think that they're, I think the kids do take, I think they rattle around in the brain. My experience with having a kid who's now seven is that I think some of these things just sort of rattle around in there and you got to hope that these themes are repeated throughout the books that they read because mm-hmm. uh, you can't go back and reread Chester and the Kissing Hand when they're like six, right? <laughs> they're past right. that. So you got to hope that you're just like between what you're saying to them in real life and what they're reading in the books is sort of, there's some repetition going on Uh that, (laughs) that helps. 
Uh, but like, yeah, okay. But now we've derailed. So let's go back. So, okay, okay. So we were talking about uh, some ones that helped you uh, as a person. But like, how about parenting or or with, we, obviously, Chester and the kissing hand is one yeah. that you're using <laughs> with your child. Yeah. Uh, what about the uh, parenting books? Were you a person who went, who sought out parenting books for help? Or were you like, eh, I probably can figure it out? <laughs> oh, I I was in between. So yeah. I read some books when I was pregnant that we don't need to get into, but that did not help. That right. did, I would say, the opposite of helping <laughs> and just made me super neurotic and crazy. Yeah. Um, and so I think I realized at that point that, as opposed to everything else in my life where I always am looking to books for answers about everything right. that maybe I was not going to look for parenting answers in books. Yeah. Um, so like actual sort of like didactic teaching parenting books, I, I hardly ever read them. Yeah. I have a hard um, time. It's yeah. funny because I host the show. I have, I get a lot of books and mm-hmm. there are some, it really depends, I guess on kind of the mood. I was the same way. Some books scared the shit out of me when I was pregnant Others, others were helpful because I was like, all right, these are questions I should be asking. These are, you know, it's good for information. It's not mm-hmm. one size fit all, but it's good to know yeah. I should ask this question or, you know, look for this thing. Um, and, of course, there are millions of books that, like, at 2 in the morning, six weeks in, you're, like, grabbing them off uh-huh. the shelf as fast as you can, being like, <laughs> everybody's looking for the same thing. Why is my baby crying? <laughs> There's no fucking answer. Uh, But I will look at a book at two in the morning or go to Yahoo Answers, the most unhelpful place ever, um, and really screw myself up. Um, But, like, I find myself now in full parenting mode. I would say that most books I go look for to help me are are kids' books to help my children, Uh, Mm -hmm. as opposed to books specifically... Uh, I mean, I'm more of a cruiser now of books for adults, right? Where I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, my kid's doing this. I'm going to go look through a couple of books and see if there's something that helps me, you know, just think about it differently. And we've, you know, um, but I would say a majority of what I look for now are, okay, Ellis is starting, you know, potty training or Katie Bell starting school or we're Mm -hmm. changing from a crib to uh, a bed. You know, let's go to mm-hmm. the library. And that's why I just want to shout out to the library, as I often do. That's where the library comes in, like, is is a wonderful resource for this. Because a lot of these sorts of things are so short-term. <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. want to go and invest <laughs> in 10 books about transitioning from crib to, like, you know, Ernie is going to get a, get a big bed today. <laughs> right? Like, yep, no, it's Elmo. Right. Elmo's getting a big bed today. Woo! <laughs> I don't need that. And I do, of course, I did buy it because it was for Katie Belt. So now I got this fucking book on my shelf forever. But that would have been a great one. When Ellis came around, I was like, we're going to the library. (laughs) Uh Um, Yep, totally. Yeah, I I appreciate that, too, both for kid and for adult parenting books, because I did. I do remember one when when my son was four months old. And he had been a really good sleeper up until that point, and all of a sudden he was like, "I'm never sleeping yeah. again. I'm yeah. going to eat every 45 minutes." <laughs> right. Then I did go to the library, yeah. and I also took a recommendation from one of my friends. I also think I'm really lucky because I'm older than a lot of my friends who had kids, yeah. and so anytime stuff like that happened, I'd just be like, "Well, you've been through this four times. Like, please yeah. tell me what to do." <laughs> um, but my very best friend recommended a book called. Um, 
Uh, the author's name is Kim West, and she's the sleep lady. So uh-huh. it was like the gentle sleep guide to getting your kid to, oh, my God, stop waking up every 45 minutes. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and that book was like our, our Bible. We followed it to the letter. Oh, I read wow. every word of the entire book. We did everything she said, and it totally worked. <laughs> so maybe the lesson is I should read more parenting books. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, yeah. clearly, I think what's coming out of this is maybe uh, we shouldn't be so dismissive of all this research and work that has gone into trying to help right. us as parents. Um, um, yeah, okay. So let's let's focus a little bit on the the books for the kids, because that's something that I think we can all agree is helpful no matter what. But here's a question. Okay. So like I was saying, I have a lot of these, we have like, you know, a big bed for Elmo and a potty for Ernie. And I don't know why they all end up being Sesame Street. My kids do not (laughs) watch Sesame Street, which is the most disappointing thing in the history of the world. So we have all these like rant, because actually most of the time the books that are available to you for these sorts of things are kind of junky. It's like, you know, like yeah, the Elmo right. bed book right. is like five pages long. And it's kind of junky. But I guess the question is, do we care? Do we care if a book is poorly written but is helpful? <laughs> or or does it need to be? Because, like, there's, like, this Elmo goes to the doctor, and it is full of unnecessary writing like there's like, I, I literally skip I don't let Stefan read it because he doesn't know how I've edited it but like it is there's so much dialogue and like story build for nothing for like uh, uh, like the longest worst book ever but there are so many great elements in it about the doctor's gonna look in your eyes and your mouth and your ears and like it, mm-hmm. and Ellis really related to what was happening at the doctor but as a parent, I hate this book. So what, do you, what is your opinion uh, on this uh, as a person? <laughs> um, I think that any book that you really don't like reading as a parent, I feel like you shouldn't have to read it. Like, it's always going to happen, right? You're always going to get stuck with something that your kid is obsessed with that you super aren't into. But if it's something that you really don't like, I feel like... <laughs> There's so many other options out there. I would I would move on. I mean, I don't think it will hurt the kid. I don't think that, you know, right. seeing all of this, like, poor writing is going to negatively affect their storytelling <laughs> abilities in the future. But I think that if it's driving you crazy, you shouldn't read it. Uh-huh. And I have hidden books. I've done yeah, all kinds of I've things that books. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hidden them sometimes because I feel like they're too sad and they make me cry. Yeah. And sometimes because yeah, they're sure. so badly written or, and I just can't take saying these words out loud one more time. Yes. Like, yeah, they just disappear into the night. Um, yeah. All right. So let's <laughs> let's now shift. So we, we yes, uh, there are good books out there and shitty books out there that do still serve a purpose for helping us. Don't forget, you can go and find books on potty training, like helping your kid get used to like we did a lot of like first day of school for Katie Bell, which was really helpful, and for Ellis. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, for any big milestone, I got the kids' books. But, uh, and those seem like givens. I mean, like, again, I was really surprised when I realized they could do it (laughs) because my brain wasn't working well anymore. Um, But now, as the kids get a little older and as I start paying attention to the world again, uh, I realize there's a bunch of stuff I'm not at all prepared to talk about. Not only am I not prepared to talk about, but I just never thought I was going to talk about 
about or I didn't know when. You know, like it is, you know, it goes without saying that uh, a lot is happening in the United States right now uh, that is unsettling and, you know, uh, deeply disturbing and has given uh, many of us, for a variety of reasons, uh, a lot of uh, reasons to be uh, fearful, upset, and there's a lot of things that are being talked about that I want to be able to talk about with my kids on some level that I don't know the best way to do it. And again, I think this is a great way for books to come into play. And one of the things that uh, Gwen is so graciously uh, agreeing to talk to us about is uh, books to help kids uh, understand uh, the issues of refugees and immigration. And I'm so thankful that you're about to share these with us, and I can think of a few people that we should send this list to uh, in (laughs) the government. Uh, (laughs) There's a big difference, people, between refugees and immigrants. I just can't. Help myself from screaming. Okay, so, uh, sorry, uh, I derailed. Now, Gwen, talk to us about books that will help us talk to our kids about this specific uh, topic. Yes, so, thank you. I am glad for that introduction, and I felt like this was so important. I really wanted to write about it. Um, There was one book that sort of kicked off the whole thing because it felt like, that it felt like something that we had to talk about. We had to talk about it right now. And it was something that like a lot of us don't want to leave until our kids are older. Right. Right. Like I want my son to grow up understanding what it means to be a refugee without terrifying him, obviously right right off the bat. He has plenty of time to be terrified when he's older like us um, about the whole situation. But right. It's, it's a concept that I wanted him to understand that there are people who aren't safe where they are and who have to go somewhere that is safe um, and how that might happen. Like, it, it just felt really sort of personally important to me to do this. Yeah, so. and I just want to join in there real quickly because I think what I know I struggle with is how to keep it simple, how to keep it honest without derailing at my child into things that are not necessarily relevant for the lesson I need her to understand, right? Or like you're saying, like trying to explain to my children war Right. Like is scary. And and as well as to try and get into just the politics of this is not is not the focus of the conversation I should be having, per se. Right. Like it is. Mm -hmm. I need like you said, I need you to understand this concept that people have to leave where they live because it's not safe. And and it's a really hard not to go off or to. Uh, get scared to have the conversation because you're scared you're going to go off on all these different directions, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it can be, right, it can be hard to sort of focus on what you're talking about without getting into all the complexity that adults know go into this. Right. Um, And, yeah, I never have any idea how to approach stuff like this either. So a couple, the one that really kicked off the whole thing is a relatively new book. It was published in 2016 um, called The Journey by Francesca Sana, S-A-N-N-A. And she describes it as a collage of personal stories that refugee children have to tell. Um, And it's beautiful and important without being devastating. Mm. Um, And I've read this this book to my two-year-old, who's a little young for it. Like, it's a picture book, but it's, you know, it has some adult concepts in it. And he totally likes it. He, I, I feel like... 
like what you said before, some part of it is seeping into his unconscious, uh, into his subconscious. Yeah. Um, but it's also not hitting anybody over the head with like, this is tragic. Everything is horrible. Right. Um, so that's one that I really love. And I have, I have a couple, and this is all in a blog post, so I can send it to you. Oh yeah. We're going to make sure that everybody gets a link to where they can find all of these recommendations. So nobody panic and try and find a pen (laughs) while you're driving or at Target. Don't worry. Right, right. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're, so they're, they're in four categories. There's like a picture book category that's for young kids and then books for slightly older kids um, and then young adults and adults so that you can also have a couple choices for yourself because I also think yeah. it's really important that adults are reading stuff yes. about this too, um, especially those of us who tend, like myself, who tend to relate to things better through fiction. Um, there's a really wonderful novel on here for adults called Little Bee by Chris Cleave that I think is, is really great. Um, but anyway, sorry, that's off the topic. Um, so a book for a slightly older kid, like I was thinking that a Katie Bell age kid who um, likes reading and who's into it might like this book, um, is called Drita, My Homegirl by Jenny Lombard. Um, she's a fourth grader in New York City, and she's a Muslim Albanian refugee, refugee from Kosovo. Uh-huh. Um, and she becomes friends with another girl who also has secrets and also has problems, um, and they both kind of learn about each other and their cultures over the course of their burgeoning friendship. So nice. there's, yeah, and there's one more called 90 Miles to Havana by Enrique Flores Galbis, um, which is, is fiction, but it's based on the author's own experiences as a, as a child fleeing Cuba. Um, and who was in Operation Pedro Pan in 1961. Mm. Um, he winds up in a children's refugee camp where he's separated from his family. Um, and it's upsetting, but it's also incredibly powerful and has a really hopeful ending. Oh, good. So, yeah, I feel like some of those might be a good place to start for parents who kind of want to introduce this to their kids without scaring them to death. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 can't we just be having conversations about sex? Why can't we just, like... <laughs> Only have death. to, like, struggle with talking about <laughs> sex with our kids. Um, <laughs> what, what else you got? Um, okay, so the one other thing that I wanted to say is that some of the stuff, like the couple of immigration stories that I just talked about, um, are very explicit about what they're about and sort of, even though they're in stories, like, it's clear that these are about refugees. But I also think that a lot of us are not giving ourselves enough credit, maybe, for the sort of hidden messages in the books that we're reading. And, like, this occurred to me because the other day I was reading a book called Miss Rumphius by Caroline Cooney. Uh-huh. Um, Cooney or Clooney? Cooney, I think. I wrote down, yeah, sorry, Cooney. <laughs> um <laughs> Which was a gift to me from a, another librarian that I knew because she, Miss Rumphius, is a librarian. Um, but it's really a story about this woman who um, has this very adventurous life and does all these things, and she winds up being the lupine lady on an island where she sows flowers everywhere she goes. Um, and I was thinking about how much I like this book, and my son asks for this book all the time, and he loves it. Um, and I had just read something that had disturbed me very greatly um, online about rape culture and about the idea yeah. that that part of rape culture is the sense that men sort of have their experiences valued more highly and that they are inherently more important right. than women. Um, that's not all of rape culture, obviously, but it's part of it. Yeah. Um, and that they can take more space in the world. Like literally and figuratively, they're allowed to take up more space. Yes, I've right? been on a subway and, in New York. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, exactly. Manspreading. There's so much manspreading everywhere. <laughs> My commute every single morning. Um, but the idea that my son, who is really little, yeah. and I'm terrified of raising him in an environment where rape culture is so pervasive, right. but the idea that he 
loves, and I would say it's one of his favorite books right now, this Miss Rumpheus, loves this book about this woman who is a total free spirit. There's one man in the book who plays like a very slight role, but this woman is really defined only by herself and on her own terms. Yeah. And I'm like, this is really great. Like it's without saying explicitly that women's lives have value and that men aren't the only ones who have value and that women's stories are important. Like just us reading books like this are actually teaching them things that they really need to know. Um, made me feel a little bit better before I started saying the words rape culture to my two-year-old, which maybe isn't quite appropriate. <laughs> sure, sure. But you know what? No, I think that this is this is valuable across the board, and uh, it's actually, I think, going to tie into sort of the challenge I gave you, but, like, there is, a, you know, I have a daughter and I have a son, and I have a whole lot of baggage uh, as, as a as biz uh, on what I worry for them. And it, you know, I, it is just as important for me to fill Katie Bell up with stories with, you know, women and strong protagonists, you know, uh, lady protagonists and all that as it is for me to do so with Ellis. Ellis loves the fancy Nancy books. You know, that kid fucking loves being fancy. Um, and I need to check out some fancy Oh, Nancy there, books. there's so much. So I like the Olivia. One. There's the Olivia the Pig uh, series. Olivia is like, oh, yeah. she's the best. I mean, there's like a bunch of these out there. But, um, but I also, this is like such a weird side story. Of I was thinking about, uh, it was right before the uh, election. And I wrote a little letter to my parents. Uh, I was like really swept up by the idea of a lady president. <laughs> and I was like really feeling very emotional. And I wrote my parents and I just said, you know, I want to thank you for, you know, just the environment that you raised me in and how you raised me. Because, you know, one of the things that I am keenly aware of is I a lot of the books and movies that I read and loved had boy protagonists had boy leads but never once was I a person who was like I can't I always saw myself in that boy lead I never felt like I was missing girl protagonists because I never saw myself as anything different than you know the boy in the never-ending story or you know Encyclopedia Brown I was fucking Encyclopedia Brown like I never I never had I mean, I understand that argument, right? But I, for me personally, I never had. And I, I sit there and I think, okay, I want to be able to recreate that environment for both of my children. And then if you take that out larger to like what you're saying about doing this for your son, books are such a wonderful opportunity if you don't live in a place with a lot of diversity um, to expose your children to uh, to different cultures, to different experiences from different perspectives. And, you know, there's been a huge, huge movement. And I sometimes you just don't think about stuff until you walk in and you're forced to think about it. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I went to my daughter's first uh, scholastic book fair at the, at the school. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about, like, race and uh, parenting on the show at uh, like a week before I went in. And I just realized I couldn't find any books. <laughs> like kids of color. Uh, I mean, there were some, there was like one or two, but like, and I know there's been a huge movement to uh, change that, but like a lot of Katie Bell's books that she has now, because there's been, you know, a change, there's a series called the key hunters. um, And uh, it's got kids of color as the leads, just like very as easily as Ramona Quimby was a white kid, you know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) other Mm -hmm. kids in these books are just as easily, 
you know, uh, all shades. And so I think that they, books are just this amazing opportunity if we want that exposure for our children to give them that exposure without, you know, uh, again, making it a tremendous deal. Like, here you go. Here's the key hunters. Totally. <laughs> it's just, we're not totally. going to, not a big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so valuable. Like both books that are explicitly about race and about like your skin color and your skin looks different than other yeah. kids. And that's great. And also books that are just families of color doing stuff. Just doing stuff. Um, just, without, right. Without right. sort of pigeonholing them and just making everybody, you know, making it clear the sort of like universality of our experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Which is going to segue into uh, this little challenge that I gave Gwen. Uh, and I'm giggling, but it's not funny at all. Um, so uh, hosting One Bad Mother, uh, we love bringing on as many guests as possible to add voices to a show uh, that, you know, really is just about Teresa and my, our personal experiences parenting to date. Right. Um, the best Teresa and I can ever do is talk about uh things based on our experience we it would be disrespectful for us to talk about how other people are experiencing the world of parenting right Mm -hmm. uh so we bring Mm -hmm. in guests and we want guests uh from all walks of life and uh it i have found that after doing the show for a few years and sort of getting on all the people that are very sort of easy to find uh that it is next to impossible after you know, a handful to find uh, diversity in parenting books. Um, mm-hmm. I don't only look at parenting books for guests. Uh, I look for blogs. I look for article writers, you know, any you know, entertainers, anything interesting. But like uh, you go to Barnes and Noble or the library or wherever and you go to the parenting section and apparently the only people who could talk about parenting are, are white people. <laughs> so, so I know. So I said to Gwen and like, Every week I go sit down to do my research to try and find guests for the show. Um, and we get all these letters saying, can you have, you know, uh, people on, you know, with these experiences? And then I just can't find them. I can't mm-hmm. find them. So I said to Gwen, Gwen, you are a librarian. <laughs> so I'm going to issue that maybe I just suck at research, right? Like maybe, maybe what I'm typing in isn't working for me. Um, so I'm going to ask if you can help me find some recommendations for uh, memoirs, uh, comedy parenting books, parenting books in general by people of color. And Gwen, what did you find? Oh, it was so depressing when I found <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you are, it is not your research that is the problem as far as what I found. Um, it there is a real lack of these, yes. especially ones that are funny, especially anything that isn't um, a sort of like personal. Because I was looking about for books that were really about parenting and not that were about like the way that those people had been raised, the authors had been raised. Right. It is really tough. I found a bunch of think pieces about why these don't exist, including one that was really good and shed a lot of light on the subject um, in an online magazine called Modern Maya. Um, which is called the headline of it was hashtag parenting so white. The woman who wrote this is awesome. Her name is Nefertiti Austin, and it was such a well written, good piece. Um, so yeah, that she might be a great interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. She's a she's a college professor, um, and who and she leads classes for adoptive and foster parents. So she seems really awesome, and it does say that she is currently working on a memoir about adopting as a single woman of color. Nice, so boom. Maybe in the future. 
<laughs> Nefertiti, expect a phone call. That's right, Nefertiti, I'm having on to you. Yeah, right, That's right. right. Um, so, yeah, it's not completely impossible to find these, but it's way harder than you want it to be. Yeah. Um, I found a couple, one that looks totally awesome that I, I have not read this myself, but it looks really good, um, called Child Please, How Mama's Old School Lessons Helped Me Check Myself Before I Wrecked Myself. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, by an author named Yolanda galt Cavaness. Um, that looks great. And I, I put that on hold for myself at the library, actually, when I saw that, because I was like, oh, this looks so good. Um, and that is very much about, and, and I think she's really sort of in the spirit of One Bad Mother, too, because it's about how she, like, you know, she, like, went on NPR and was a parenting expert and was like, oh, you know, I'm going to read all these books and I'm going to educate myself <laughs> or whatever. And then she realized that, like, her mother's advice, her mother's sort of, like, old-school child-rearing advice right. was the best advice that she could possibly get. <laughs> um, after that uh Bun Me Latadan. Oh, yeah, Bun Me. We've had her on. Right, you had her on. Yeah, she does have a new new book. book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's called Toddlers Are Assholes. It's Not Your Fault. Yeah. Which is such a good title. Um, so yeah, that's cheating because you already had her on. Yeah, but we should have, um, need to have her back on again. All right. We'll yeah. have her back on. And then Postcards from Cookie, A Memoir of Motherhood, Miracles, and a Whole Lot of Mail by Caroline Clark. Um, that sounded really cool. It's about um, a woman who was adopted and it turned, well, you know what? I won't spoil it. All right. Um, yeah. So Caroline Clark, that, that book also looks really cool and is about both um, sort of her own journey as a parent and also being uh, adopted herself. Nice. The Yeah, it, it is frustratingly <laughs> difficult. And it is, uh, I was really hope you thank you for finding those those are uh you know it's nice to have a few more on the radar that we will look into but you know i think as readers uh we should be really going out and searching and asking for these books um and one of the places i think we have to look is uh self-publishers and smaller uh, publishing houses and i do i wanted to wrap up with just in a very fortuitous way, uh, yesterday I got an email from uh, a former guest, uh, Janet Stickman. Uh, you guys might remember she was on recently. She had done a series of letters um, to uh, letters to Black people visiting Earth, uh, where she tried to explain, <laughs> like, let's say you uh, were a black person visiting Earth from another planet and you show up and she's like, oh, you need to know a few things, right? And like they were really very touching. Some were very uh, funny and some were very difficult. Uh, But they're getting published into a book and it is a, she needs help publishing this book. So I, uh, Teresa and I both felt uh, it made a remarkable amount of sense to promote that to you guys. So I'm going to, we'll have a link to it, but uh, Broken Shackle Publishing is about to try and publish to Black Parents Visiting Earth, a guide to raising black children in the 21st century. And we're going to uh, link people up to how to donate to make sure this book gets out. And this just may be what we have to do for a while, guys, mm-hmm. uh, is 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 look for these uh, sort of books and, and sort of tell each other about them and uh, help promote the diversity and voices in parenting books because they're just as important as having a variety of books for kids to read where they see themselves uh, in the books. Uh, We as parents need to see uh, ourselves in books as well as be able to read books by uh, voices that are different than ours. Uh, Totally. And the more success a 
self-published book has. Yes. Uh, we all know this lesson from Twilight, right? Right. <laughs> the more success um, a self-published book has, the more likely it is to get picked up by a, a major publisher um, and then get, you know, a marketing deal and a good distribution and a real book contract and, you know, hopefully maybe pay that author some more <laughs> so that they can continue to write books. Um, and so, yeah, so if, if there's if there are self-published books out there that people think are really great and awesome, like doing anything you can to support them and get them into the hands of more readers, it's really awesome. That's right. Um, yeah. Well, uh, that's a lovely place to wrap our discussion up today. Uh, oh, good. At least that was a sort of positive note to end. I know, right? sort of positive. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to end this discussion on something hilarious today. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Go read your kids' books about refugees, and uh, yeah, we're done. <laughs> One Bad Mother is supported in part by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper mattresses feature supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce for you and your children to bounce on and wake you up on in the middle of the night. They have a risk-free trial and return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery to the United States and Canada, and there are painless returns. And guys, mattresses are made in America. One Bad Mother listeners can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash badmother and using promo code badmother at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Patrick. My name is Parker. Max Funcon has been a huge inspiration in my life. Now I have this network of friends that I've made that span literally across the entire globe, and they're some of my favorite people in the world. I truly cannot believe the amount of wonderful and lasting friendships that have come out of this. If you feel like you might not fit in, as long as you're a good person, you'll fit in because everyone there is good and amazing and kind and wonderful, and you should absolutely go. It will be the best decision of your life. Make a ton of new friends like Parker and Patrick at MaxFunCon. Tickets for MaxFunCon and MaxFunCon East are on sale now at MaxFunCon.com. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius Fail time, Gwen. As a guest, genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. (laughs) A little bit of backstory. I am not... I, I miss the librarian gene about being really organized. <laughs> I am not somebody who's like a great packer. Like I, I don't always, I'm not the mom who always has like all of the really awesome snacks. Like <laughs> I'm always kind of flying by the seat of my pants a little bit in terms of 
um, like logistical preparations. It's really not my strong point. However, <laughs> so a couple months ago, um, my son was potty training and we did that sort of like cold turkey boot camp thing where you just like take off his pants and then the whole weekend he has no pants on. Mm. And then at the end of it, he's supposed to be potty trained. Right. So, There's no yeah, Ernie so book actually... about that. There's no Ernie book. Ernie's <laughs> going to walk around pantsless for a week. No, right, right. He was super into being pantsless. That part was a That's total true. success. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it actually, it worked really well and his daycare was really supportive. And so like he was doing great. He was doing really well. And so we live about an hour north of the city. Um, and we, when we go into New York city, we take the train and he loves taking the train. It's like one of his favorite things to do. And so the next weekend, so he's been potty trained for like five or six days now, um, we had a friend who was coming in to visit and we decided, okay, we're going to go into the city. What are we going to do about using the potty? Mm -hmm. Um, like, could you go on the train? Like there's bathrooms on the train, but they're really, they're like moving and they're loud and they're crazy. So I knew that I needed to take a lot of extra clothes just in case. And so instead of just taking a bunch of extra pants and underwear and socks and everything and throwing them in the bag, which is what I normally would have done, <laughs> I took them and portioned them out individually into their own plastic bags. Yeah. So that then if he needed them, I could take the dry clothes, the new clothes out of the plastic bag, put the wet clothes in the plastic bag, and then just be on our way. Nice. Boom. Thank you. That is very, <laughs> very good. Good job. Thank you. That was very good. Thank you. Um, okay. This is one of those total bullshit toddler MacGyver moments. Okay. okay. Uh, like, this is not going to help anybody long term. It's not going to ever help me again long term. It is the end of the weekend uh, yesterday. And, okay. I won't say that because this comes out Thursday. It was <laughs> the end of the weekend. I am in the bathroom trying to get the kids in the tub. It is completely impossible to get them in the tub. Ellis is totally derailing. He's got about 8 million drills, toy drills. <laughs> and he's walking around with one of the drills, and he's, like, really getting frustrated. And I'm trying to figure out why he's getting frustrated. I'm like, Stephen, why is he getting frustrated? He wants it to just keep drilling even when he's not pulling the trigger and Stefan's like yeah we just can't do this this is just not possible we have that thing and i was just like ellis bring me the drill and like open up the bathroom drawer the counter drawer where there's a million tiny headband i mean tiny ponytail holders close it slide it over the drill handle it keeps drilling there's a slight pause while everybody looks and i'm like Here's your drill that will never stop drilling. And Stefan was like, how did you do that? That's amazing. And I was like, I am amazing. And like, it was just like a point. And then it was like, now you got to get in the tub and I'm going to take this off. Like, can't, that's it. But it was just like one of those, boom, boom, fix. And I felt, yeah, I felt like a badass. I did. That is totally amazing. Thank Good you. Job. Thank you. Hi, ladies. I just got to work, and I love this feeling when I get to work. It's like this this feeling of accomplishment because I've gotten two kids ready for school. I have gotten them to school. I have gotten myself ready, and I've gotten to work. And re this is my genius that I'm going to add. I have discovered that I am very forgetful. So I started <laughs> leaving my keys my purse, my ring, my earrings, and my makeup in my car. And so then all I have to do is get 
my body, our bodies into the car, not anything else. We live in the country, so I can get away with it. So we don't have neighbors, and we have a gate, and nobody can access my car except for us. So this works out for me. But I thought I'd share this genius for anybody that could probably get away with it, too. Thanks. Love y'all, ladies. Thanks. Just like. She just oh, my like, God. I love this. This is genius. That's Awesome. That is so smart. Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally works. Good, good, yeah, good job. Good job. <laughs> All right. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, Gwen. Okay. So this is kind of a doozy, I think. <laughs> um, all right. So. Again, for the background, and this is, again, uh, a daycare-related story. Um, so my son, I think, like many kids his age, occasionally has trouble with transitions um, and does not ever want to stop doing what he's doing or leave where he is. It doesn't matter what it is. He never wants to stop and do something else. So, and okay, so that's the background for him. <laughs> the background for me is that I, was, I commute home on the train, and I was reading this incredibly sad and incredibly wonderful book um, called The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, just as a tiny little book plug there. Uh-huh. Um, and it's about police brutality, about a teen girl who's in a car uh, with a black boy who's shot and killed by a white officer. Um, and it's, it's absolutely brutal. Um, and there are some scenes in it with the boy's mom. Um, the whole thing is, just, it's, and it's tremendously well-written, which also means that it's incredibly sad. So I had been, like, weeping on the train <laughs> and thinking, like, I just need to hug my kid. This world is so terrible, and I can't wait to see my boy and whatever. So when I get there, <laughs> do you see where this is going? Yeah. So <laughs> I get there, and he's in the baby room, which he loves to be in there with his, like, initial teachers who he first had at daycare. Um, so he's in the baby room. He loves it. He's playing with this toy um, that he also loves and his, like, very best friend to take care. So it's like a perfect storm. So he sees me, and he takes one look at me, and he screams, No, Mama, go away! Go away, Mama! <laughs> and runs to the back of the room. <laughs> and you're like, I just want to love you! <laughs> exactly. And, like, instead of just being like, Oh, ha-ha, this is what he does, which is what I do most of the time, I completely burst into tears. <laughs> In front of another parent, two daycare teachers, um, a couple kids, and just, like, the whole world, basically. <laughs> so I don't think they saw me. I kind of, like, ran off to the bathroom, which, God knows, my kid doesn't care that I'm running off right, the right. because he just wants to stay there. So, yeah, it was really embarrassing, and, like, definitely at least one of the teachers saw me and was like, um, are you all right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so that felt like a pretty big fail. Oh, man. You, think, you would public. think, like, preschool teachers would be so used to seeing parents just have weird breakdowns <laughs> at weird times. Like, it's like a million scenes from, like, American Beauty or whatever, where she's, like, just crying, hysteria, and everybody's like, yeah. whatever, you're just crying, whatever, it's fine. Um, well, well, they clearly... You're doing a horrible job displaying yes. displaying emotion in the front, and your children, your child hates you. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's sort of the secondary fail that he hates me so much that he, yeah. at the end of the day, like that's right. wants nothing to do with me that's at all. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I I really did a shit show on the old parenting karma. Okay, so. Uh, Ellis, last week, there on Friday, their school was going to have like a snow day where they ship in all the snow. Ha ha! Everybody who lives somewhere else in the world where there's snow, oh my god, uh, they're gonna sh- they're gonna come and set. It's California, guys. They're gonna set up snow and the kids get to play in snow. And it's not the day he normally goes to school. 
but we normally have like a little swim lesson that day. And but there's a space for him to be at school that whole day if he wants to go. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll take an extra day. And he gets to play in snow. Sure. So I need to cancel the swim class. Well, I don't think about canceling the swim class until like an hour before the swim class the next day and like the day of the of the day of the swim class. And so I'm like, I know I'm going to eat the cost of the swim class, right? So it's fine. I've just come to peace with that. It's okay. I call the swim class. And I say, hi, you know, we're calling, we're canceling today. You know, we, we can't make it. Um, and the woman says, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, why can't you come? And I was so caught off guard by the why can't you come question that the first thing that out of my mouth was, he's sick. And I, I, I just lied. I just <laughs> lied. Uh, and I and in my head, as I'm lying, and I'm like, why did I just lie to this woman? This like, well, I don't. I'm not a liar. Like, I mean, I'm like, I lie to my kids about like the books too long and shit like that. But this just felt like a dirty, dirty lie. And I say, I, I, I say he's sick, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know what? Normally, yeah, I'm like, just hang up the phone with me. Just hang up. And she's like, you know, normally, you know, you've called within uh, the. You can't cancel now without, you can't get a makeup class. You're going to have to pay for the class. But because he's sick and you've never done this before, we're going to let you have a makeup class. We're not going to charge you. I'm like, oh, double shit. I feel so bad. And then all I can think of is now he's going to be sick. There's a hundred percent. He's now a hundred percent. We all know when you call into work and you're like, <laughs> I'm sick. And all you really want to do is stay home and watch television all day. And like, whatever, uh, you, you're going to get sick for real. Well, th- I did it. Mm-hmm. And the very no. next day, Saturday morning, oh, no. <laughs> he woke up with the nose running. And I was like, I did this. I, oh, no. it's like worse than not wearing a hat. Fine. You want to disagree with me about wearing a hat in cold weather is not going to get you sick. I will guarantee you. But if you lie about why your child is not at school and you say they're sick, your child is getting fucking sick. So oh, that is, no. I really, I feel so bad about that. I feel like I'm going to oh, be that. sentenced to parenting hell. Um, oh, I hope oh, somebody else. Oh, you're right. That's a terrible yeah, fail. That's it, awful. It was. It was bad. <laughs> yes. It was bad. Yes. Oh, no. Hi, I'm calling for my fail moment. I am the mom of an almost one-year-old. He's crawling around like crazy. So being the wonderful, responsible mother that I am, I set up baby gates around the house so we couldn't go up and down the stairs. So what did I do? I'm picking him up, carrying him around, and both of us completely topple over the baby gate. No one was hurt. I'm covered in bruises, but I protected him. So there I go. Trying to protect him from crawling, and then I'm the one that has him fall all over the place. <laughs> love your show. Love what you're doing. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> the fucking baby gates are both beneficial and are a fucking nightmare because you're not used to them being there. And then you trip yeah. over them. That is 100% a real thing. Well, that's what you get for trying to protect your kid. Yeah, that's you what deserve you get. It. You're hard, yep. doing a horrible, horrible job parenting your child. <laughs> horrible job. <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you. I love you. 
One Bad Mother is supported in part by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Guys, I just cooked the latest round of Blue Apron that came to my house this week. Uh, I can pick the day that it's delivered. I can pick the recipe out of a number of selections uh, that I want to try. The variety is great, and it's really been a great opportunity for us to try new stuff as a family, especially since Katie Bell is back to being a pescatarian. So you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash badmother. That's blueapron.com slash badmother. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Oh, today, everybody, we usually call Teresa, but for some strange reason, (laughs) Teresa's very tired with a four-week-old baby. doesn't want to talk to me. Um, But I will let people know that I did go by and check on Teresa last week, and uh, the news is she's doing a remarkable job, and Curtis is the most adorable fucking baby. He is so tiny, because he was early. He's so tiny. He's got all the parts. Everything's where it should be. And uh, Teresa wanted to point out to me that uh, the cowlick is already coming in for Curtis's bangs, which I know Curtis will have, because I, for whatever reason, my prediction of who Curtis will be is a, is a guy with bangs, guys. And, like, Curtis totally has the guitar. Curtis is totally that guy. Like, he's like, you know, you know who I'm talking about. You know who Curtis is. They're doing really good. And I wanted to just, uh, before we get into our mom having a breakdown, just point out uh, how I absolutely did the thing that we all know is utter bullshit is I left that house after what and the baby was, I mean, the baby's like four weeks old. The baby is just hanging out in Teresa's lap while she's shoving like a sandwich that I brought her down her face. And all I left it, I was like, oh, baby's so easy. It's so easy to have a new baby. What's the problem? Because you know, she doesn't have anybody else there at that moment. And then I, I just record scratch across my head, and I was like, "What is wrong with you, Biz? Is, oh my god! What is wrong with you?" She uh, should call you every night at like two a.m., yeah, four thirty a.m., yeah. six a.m. Right. Every time That's you right. wake up for that. Yeah. That's right. Or just like turn, take the phone off the receiver, so all I can do is hear when all those yeah. children are home, and it's like dinner time, and it's total chaos. Uh, yeah, so apologies, Teresa. You were doing a very good job, and I know it is a shit ton of work, uh, and that is a perfect baby. Um, but let's take a moment uh, to listen to, uh, you know, the real guests of our show, and that is the, the people who call in and leave us a little rant. Let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. This is a mom having a breakdown. It has been... The worst morning of motherhood so far. I'm only eight months in, so I've got many more to look forward to. Um, The baby woke up early. He was overtired and upset, and I'm so behind getting ready, and I feel like I'm failing at work, and I'm failing at being a mom, and I'm going to be to work late because I have to get my baby ready and take him to daycare. And on top of it all, (laughs) this morning, for some unknown reason, well, because we differ in our views, my uh, in-laws have started kind of trolling me on social media about political issues. And because oh. I'm overtired and overstressed, I got baited into a social media argument. Why? Why did I do that? That's not at all helpful. <laughs> so now I'm going to take my baby to daycare, hopefully have some resemblance of a normal day at work, 
uh, and maybe deactivate my social media accounts tonight. <laughs> but thank you so much for the show. Uh, it's my bright light in the week when I get to listen to the show while I clean bottles uh, and engage in all of those joyful parts of motherhood. You guys are doing a great job. Oh, my God. Such a good job. Oh, the... The, uh, the Facebook wars. Oh my god! I know this is like this is, but this is a real thing. I can't believe we've never talked about this. Uh, but this is like a real thing. Where all right, two things happening here. One, you have an eight-month-old. You are eight months in. These are still some. Again, some of us may describe it as a beautiful forest. Some of us, me, may describe it as a dark, dark, terrifying forest uh, where nothing is real. The ground is the sky. The sky is the ground. I mean, like, what the fuck? And you're not getting a lot of sleep. You're working. You're taking your kid to daycare. Those are two things right there that are both emotionally draining every fucking single day on top of just trying to be a parent and a person. So that is, you're doing a remarkable job there. That just, just, Let's just get that out of the way, that those are remarkable circumstances that you are in, and you're doing a really good job. Now, social fucking media, guys. We we have talked about how it can be a real place of comfort in those isolating times as a parent, right? Like, I'm so lonely. I'm only talking to a baby. I'm going to go on and, like, I like something. Like, like. I'm still here. I'm still a person. Like, 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 like. Uh, happy birthday. You know, like, you go on. And you're like, like, whatever I can engage in. Uh, like, that's, that's great. That's a cute dog. Cute like dog. That kitty. Love your fucking dog. Right, like, or, ah, news article, ah, news article, ah, like, that's me right now, like, ah, I find no comfort here, um, but, like, we go because we think there's comfort there, and, and it is, you're right, you're not operating on all cylinders, and if you walked in to these sorts of discussions face-to-face with somebody, like, let's say you're at the grocery store and you hear somebody talking about something that feels like it's baiting you, to, you would walk away. You would, like, mm-hmm. at the Thanksgiving dinner table, you know, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to feed the baby. Mm-hmm. I got to whatever. You know, you got to, like, you can get your way out of it. But there's something, like, false about social media that makes you feel like, it's okay, I'll just type this thing and it won't be a bit... Ah! Oh my god, or not typing this means that I'm allowing this injustice right. to stand in the world and I can't do yeah, that. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's just a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. It really, really is. And like and it, whether it's uh people that we love or are at least related to uh, that we find ourselves doing this in, whether it's, you know, uh, private groups or message boards or whatever, it is dangerous. <laughs> so I just, I, I, I guess I just want to say you are doing a good job. You really are. Okay, so let's talk about what we learned today, Gwen. Uh <laughs> I think I think this is one of the easiest takeaways I've ever had on the show, and that is books can be really helpful to us. <laughs> I, I mean, like, yay, books are helpful. Yay, books are helpful. Not only are books helpful in just the day-to-day milestones that we want to help our kids prepare for, it can be really helpful to be used as tools to talk about, you know, difficult things with our kids or things that we 
find uh, are important to us that they understand. And lots of times for me, people do a much better job explaining it than I could. It's also great. They can also be great to help us learn more about something that we may not know uh, a lot about or we maybe weren't exposed to in our own lives and want to know more about. And double bonus takeaway, you know, we just go to the library and find these books. And if they're not there, you ask the librarian to get it for you. Or you say to the librarian, I want to talk about X with my kid. Can you help me find the right books to do that? And and they will help you. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And zero commitment, because then if it's driving you crazy, if you check out a book and you wind up not liking it and it really needed an editor, um, (laughs) it goes back. Oh, sorry, honey. It was due back at the library. Even though it's only three days since we got it. Somebody else needed it. Okay, bye. That's right. Kids don't understand time yet. It's got to go back. It's been, we've had it forever. Sorry. It's very (laughs) popular. Um, Speaking of books, and we have just had so much we've had to talk about today. So why don't we just add one more thing to talk about? The, I need to inform you guys that we are very close to the One Bad Mother book coming out. I just want to give a little shout out to our book. You're doing a great job. A hundred ways you're winning at parenting. (laughs) It's coming out April 18th, uh, and you can pre-order it on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Books A Million, IndieBound, and you can probably walk into your local indie booksellers and find it there. Uh, You could go to your librarian and say, hey, are you going to have this book? It is really good for friends who are expecting, uh, no matter how they're expecting it, Teresa and I really, really put a lot of effort into making sure that this was, that we could make fun of parenting no matter how you got a kid. So uh, that's going to be, that's, you can pre-order it now. So hooray, hooray. Everybody, you are doing a remarkable job. This is, there's a lot of difficult stuff Uh, going on uh, in the world right now. And it is distracting, at least for me, it's distracting me from my work, distracts me, my parenting, it's distracting in my relationships. And it's just really uh, hard right now. And so I just want everybody to know you're doing a remarkable job uh, getting through all this. And uh, so good job. Uh, Gwen, you are Thank you so much for joining me today. You are doing a really remarkable job. And I I just want to thank you for joining us. And we're going to make sure that we link everybody up to these recommendations you've given us, as well as to your podcast, The Librarian is In, uh, as well as your Twitter, where you can just give cool recommendations on the spot. Thank you so much for joining us, Gwen. Oh, thank you for having me, Biz. Everybody, I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. And Biz, I also forgot to say that you are doing a really good job. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Fun, Lindsay Pavlis, our engineer, our husbands, Stefan Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org. 
One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Do you have a genius or fail moment you'd like to share on the show? Then leave us a message at 206-350-9485. Full-on rage-induced rants are also welcome. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama's room. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama's room. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.